initiating podcast. All systems are go. Please keep your hands inside the podcast at all times. Transmission online. ADD Masterminds is now worldwide. I can't believe we're like up and running. Welcome to the ADD Masterminds podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm John. Yeah, and uh, we are going to we're going to discuss topics today, and we might actually even stay on topic. So, um, is there anything that you want to lead us in with here? Yeah, well, I, you know, you and I were going back and forth about worship music, which is kind of common for us. Yep. Um, yep. And you had this article that you posted, and it was talking. I think it was essentially talking about how uh, people are criticizing worship all the time, and yeah. Um, there's enough articles out there telling us what's wrong with worship. True. I guess my thing, kind of, with, with any of these articles is you could tell pretty quick whether it's an outsider or an insider that's writing the articles. And it drives me crazy when it's an outsider because it's like you don't really understand what goes into this. It's kind of like movie critics where movie critics, you know, don't um, understand how hard it is to make a book into a movie. And so they get all like... Oh, yeah. they should have done this. They should have done that. You know, and I think the same kind of thing is happening with worship music. Yeah, that and that's and that's fair. I mean, and as somebody that's, uh, I've been a, a worship leader at various churches, um, in the south here for the last I don't know twenty years or so. I've seen a lot of stuff. Small churches, medium-sized churches. I've never, never been in a really big, big church, but a lot of the small ones and stuff. You know, up to say about three hundred members or so. You get some you get some pretty interesting stuff going on. You know, some of the bigger ones the way they had bell choirs, they had big singing choirs, they had full praise bands and stuff, and that, that took a lot of work. Um some of the guys that put together those services, they they had, you know, they had masters and, and doctorates in music. I mean, these guys were not um not just volunteers, they were full time working, doing arrangements, you know, they I mean they they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it, and and I think a, and it's because a lot of people they only see the end result. They don't see what goes into it. They don't see the work and the time spent on it. So it's easy for them to just assume, um, oh well, I think it should be like this. Well, you know, that's fine, but you really haven't tried it. You don't know how, what it entails. So it's kind of hard for you to say. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess for our listeners that don't do music, it's like, well, what are you guys talking about, right? And I guess, you know, the specifics are, you know, people that are saying, well, why don't you do songs that we know? You know, why don't you do songs that we're familiar with? And a lot of your average worship, you know, people, <laughs> congregants, I guess is what <laughs> I'm trying to say, yeah. are people that don't listen to worship music and they only hear it at church. So if we're going to cater to those people constantly, we're going to be doing the same songs over and over again 
Um, like, I could sing of your love forever. I think everybody knows that one, right? Pretty much, yeah. Which actually we're doing this Sunday at my church. Nice. And um, there's just one line in that song that drives me kind of crazy. Um, it's like, when the world has seen the light, they will dance for joy like we're dancing now. I have yet to see a congregation ever dance during that part. So I yes. think we should insert a not there and say, when the world has seen the light, they will dance for joy like we're not dancing now. Oh, you could I'm kind of tempted to say it that way. They will dance for joy like we're thinking about dancing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing, too, is the beat to that song isn't, like, super danceable either. I mean, it'd be totally. more like a flag kind of dance or something. Yeah, you're not going to bust out moves. With, I mean, it's like, dun, dun, dun. No, you want something that's like, you know, hey, Macarena, you know. Oh, you know what they could do? What? Is, like, they could break into a dubstep right at that part. Yes. Dubstep. We'll dance for joy like we're dancing now. Yeah. <laughs> That would be epic. We're going to have to do that. <laughs> Actually, that's a great idea. I think we could do that. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that brings another thing that's funny is like when I listen to a lot of the modern songs that we sing in our church, and I, and I serve it in Southern Baptist churches mostly, um, mm -hmm. they don't dance. They rarely raise their hands or clap. I mean, and that's not to oh, say that sure. that's not to say they don't worship and, and they do. Um, yeah. but they're not very charismatic, um, and that's putting it mildly. But that also brings up the point when we sing songs about uh, bowing down and raising our hands and dancing, and other, they don't do any of that. So, like, when we're singing those songs, and I'm like, would it kill you to just clap every now and then? I mean, just like, you know, mm. you could you could just kind of get into it a little more, you know, and... And, and I understand a lot of people just won't do that. Like, my wife is like that. She will never clap, dance, sing. She just doesn't. That's just not how she worships. Yeah. But I'm like, I want to jump up and down and, and you know, and, like, I kind of don't. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, nobody else is going to. That's hard, too. Yeah, because you don't have, like, you, you can feel stifled and, like, you know, you don't have um, the freedom to worship. Yeah, yeah. In in some ways, but I mean, there's the flip side of that too, where it's like everybody dance and like everybody dance now. Uh, not everybody's uh, uh, into uh, uh. that, yeah, and so it's like people are like, "Why aren't you worshiping?" And it's like, "No, I I just don't like jumping up and down." That's not me though. I like to jump up and down. So, right, right, yeah, and, and so and that's <laughs> I mean, how do you strike that balance? You know, with the people that are like they're not going to do that, and the people that want to do that. You know, is is that that's like there's a tension there? Are they gonna you know, I mean, yeah. how do we deal with that? You know, song selection is so tough. And like, for me, I used to lead worship up north. Yeah, I know the yeah. up north joke again. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I used to lead worship in a small oil town. And uh, there was like 30 people in the congregation. And I found that, you know, like there was like so much variety to the um, to the repertoire <laughs> and i would introduce <laughs> new songs once in a while but i kind of put like stuff from every era in it you know so there'd be like yeah a keith green song something from the 80s something nice. from the 90s and then something modern yeah you know and i just thought it was kind of fun it was kind of like i don't know if you guys have radio stations down south yeah we like have k-love and a couple others a, yeah there's a radio station called uh, jack fm in calgary and it's like, we play whatever we want, you know? And it's yeah. kind of similar to 
Nice. ADD Masterminds. We talk about whatever we want. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so I, I kind of I call it Jack FM worship. That's when I talk about it to people. Jacked like, up worship. Weird. That that's that's kind of sounds. Jacked up worship. That's a different direction. <laughs> that's totally different. Yeah. So, so speaking of speaking of talking about whatever we want to talk about, would you consider the ADD Masterminds podcast improved from our pilot episode? I think my goal is to make this the most improved podcast. Um, what's interesting about the whole most improved award, I don't know if you remember that in school, where they would have a most improved student award. Yeah, that's the also yeah. another wor- a way of saying you started off sucking the most. Uh-huh. And I was like thinking, like, do people strategically try to get the most improved student award? You could. You like, could totally throw the first couple of semesters, yeah. Exactly. And I was like thinking, man, I, I like, just get all strategic about it and be like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to blow it for a while. And then, you know, it's kind of like, um, what do you call it when you're playing pool with somebody and you pretend to be really bad? Sandbagging. And then, they call that sandbagging. Sandbagging. Yeah, that's an old, um, that's an old <laughs> term from street racing where they would load up the car with sandbags to make it run slower than it actually could go. Mm-hmm. And then they would they would take the sandbags out and then you know you would think oh yeah that's a you know and then they unload the weight out of it and it would just fly you know so at least that's where I heard it from so oh okay that sounds like a south thing yeah southern thing you know <laughs> running whiskey in the hills and moonshine stuff like that cool huh anyways um yeah so that's what I was thinking is like most improved means that you have to start sucky first so mission accomplished <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, we got a lot of good feedback on the last episode, which was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people said they laughed. And, and by good they, feedback, they we mean they were honest. So. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, we asked for uh, people to tell us what we could improve upon and be honest about that, too. Yep. So we considered that as well. And I, I don't know. It's funny. It's in my nature to, with any creative pursuit. Um to kind of look at it and say, but but my vision was this, you know? And when you get people saying, well, you need to do, we'd like to see more of this, and you're like, well, that wasn't really the plan. Well, you know what? That brings up it's another interesting point, John, because let's say, for instance, if you are writing a novel or writing, making mm-hmm. an album, recording an album, do you write what right. you want to write or do you write what people are going to buy and what they want to hear? <laughs> Man, there's a lot of answers to that. Like, you know, it's funny... Because, I mean, I, I want to say a bit of both. That's probably the right answer. But if you're like the Beatles <laughs> and you just happen to have good taste in what you're doing, do whatever you want and don't worry about the crowd. Because I think sometimes art suffers by catering to the crowd all the time, too, and it becomes bland. Yeah, it can be limiting. I, I think I agree with that. Um, but on the other hand, if you're going to do like bizarre avant-garde stuff, don't expect to be winning grammys from that you know oh man have you seen the movie frank no what's that about that'd be a good movie to watch that's about this um it's about this guy he's a keyboardist and he sits in his room and he writes songs and his songs are like just awful like lady in the dress or whatever right and he's just like singing about whatever he sees while he's walking down the street and um he he runs into this guy who has a band and basically their keyboardist had gone AWOL and crazy and stuff like that and they wanted somebody in their band 
And their band's really weird. And their lead singer wears kind of like a paper mache mask all the time. No one's ever seen his face. He showers in this paper mache mask. That's creepy. And they end up recording this album, and it's just the weirdest thing. Like, their album is just, it's, it's odd, odd music. And eventually what happens is this keyboardist tries to bring them mainstream. And it causes all kinds of issues. And, you know, they get to that point where they're not even recognizable wow. as a band. So it's it's really interesting, you know, when you consider any any art, it's like and I, I was actually thinking the exact same thing with ministry, too, because like when it comes to ministry, we're always thinking about numbers. Right. I, yeah. I think often ministries are perceived that way. Oh, certainly. you know, and it's like, how many people do you have in your church? Oh, well, you should have a lot more if you're good at what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you have people like Joyce Meyer. I, I think I heard about somebody who's who is uh went to a big conference, pastoral conference, and, you know, it was Joyce Meyer or, or one of them ladies. And <laughs> she right. said like, she said, uh, well, I, I was leading a Bible study of like five people and I asked the Lord, how come I wasn't succeeding? And it's like, hold on here. Yeah. What if five people is what you're supposed to do? Yeah. What if God called you, know? you to do that? You know, then what? So, Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know how big our audience is supposed to be at ADD Masterminds. I don't even know how big it is right now because we don't really have those analytics. So we're just basically not yet flying by the seat of our pants. Well, you know, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, let's do what's interesting to us. And, you know, if you guys have any feedback for us, we'll consider it. Yeah. Yeah. If you <laughs> and, guys you know, want to leave like, feedback. Oh, I really like this. That's great. Maybe we'll do that again. Sure. But I mean, we also are going to try to do what's interesting to us too, right? Right. If, if people that are listening find something interesting, chances are we might find it interesting too. We'll talk about it. That's fine. Not a problem. But we may not listen to every suggestion. Actually, there's no way we can. So Right. Now, yeah. something, something somebody said about the pilot episode was that I don't know enough about Canada. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how long have you lived in Canada, John? Um, my whole life. That was actually Kevin Dietner. He's like, uh, you think you'd know more about Canada. So I actually found like an infographic that lists a bunch of Canadianisms. Whoa. Can I hit you with a few here? Yeah, man. Lay it on me. <laughs> no seams. You ever heard that term? No seams? It's a kind of bug, right? Yeah. That's Canadianism, apparently. Yeah. Cool. Elastic? Elastic is Canadian? Man, this is dumb. Uh. <laughs> I, I'm going to see if I... Oh, okay, okay, okay. This was one that cracked me up. Okay, what do you call whole milk? Whole milk. Um, they have whole milk uh, where they sell 2% milk and skim milk, and that's about it. Okay. So, in Canada, we call it homogenized milk, which yeah. becomes shortened to homo milk. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has some interesting connotations. I know. Well, I I didn't want to just hit you with that without explaining it first. No. I, well, I would have guessed. If you would have said homo milk, the first thing it would have popped into my head was it probably means homogenized. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, granted, oh, I'll okay. still giggle about it. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know. There's a, you know, there's a teenage boy in all of us, right? Like, uh, Yeah. I, I giggle. Some would say it never left. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, just little things like that. I, I remember uh, when I lived up in La Crete, Alberta. Um, Alberta. And, uh, yeah, Alberta. That's my province. And uh, the only way uh, to get to La Crete was to take the ferry. Okay. And there was a big sign when you went to get the f- onto the ferry that said, please get approval from ferryman before proceeding. And I seriously giggled every time I saw that sign. Ferryman. Ferryman. Now, if he's standing there on the ferry and he's got, like, a long black coke and a, and a scythe, and he's asking, you know, like, you might not want to go on the ferry. Ooh. Like, that would really, you see, if... That, that turned dark. If I worked on a ferry, I would totally do that just to mess with people. <laughs> They'd be pulled up like, hey, can we cross the, uh, cross the bay? I'd be like, give me your soul. And you may cross to the unworld. You know, I mean, just... It was funny, too, is like, because Lacrete is predominantly Mennonite. So you'd end up with a lot of guys, you know, like, it was crazy because it, it felt like, like, 90% of the people were Christian there professed to be Christian, right? Right, right. And then I moved to a, a town, a small town after that, where it, it seemed like 10% <laughs> were Christian. So it was kind of a flip in um, cultures. That's kind of an interesting thing. Like like where I live in, in South Louisiana, it, it was, this area of Louisiana was heavily populated by uh, Spanish and French back before the United States existed. And um, actually, most of the architecture in the French Quarter is Spanish because the original French Quarter burned down back in the 1800s um, or 1700s, actually. And uh, all the architecture that's down there that's historical, it's actually Spanish. But um, don't know if you knew that. A little interesting fact about New Orleans. Crazy. But um, the um, what was I talking about? Where were we just? I totally got some. Uh, Predominantly Christian? Oh, yes. All right. So it's predominantly, that area of Louisiana is predominantly Catholic. And so right. it's like they have the Bible Belt, and then you get below I-10, and everything is Catholic here. And so almost every single person you run into, if you ask them, are you a Christian, they'll go, yeah. And the next thing yeah. is, the next thing you ask them is, okay, well, where do you go to church? And yeah. half of them can't tell you because they w- their family was Catholic, and there's this weird thing with with the Catholic Church where it's like it's like a mob family, like everybody, like you're in the family, right? You belong to the yeah. church, and it's like it's like a thing. I don't know, but I mean, even even my my mom's family was you know was Catholic, and uh, so it's it's very cultural. It's like it's not even. Um, a faith thing as much as it is a, a cultural family kind of thing. It's really kind of weird. Um, it is weird, yeah. Really deeply ingrained, very historical. They have some really, really old churches around here. It's just, it's very traditional. Um, right. You know, I mean, some of the some of the churches in New Orleans predate it being a state, you know? I mean, it's, there's some really old stuff out here. And um, when you talk to people, like you have to like get past that barrier. Like you ask them, you know, what do you believe? And they'll say, well, I believe whatever the church tells me to believe, you know? And so you have to kind of, right. You, you can't just take it at face value that if somebody says they're a Christian, you, you, you say, okay, well that's cool. You know, then I don't need to tell you about Jesus or anything like that. You, you can't just assume that you have to, you know, you have to 
continue asking people and say, well, what, what do you believe? You know, um, where'd your faith come from? What do you, you know, what do you base that on? And, uh, yeah, you get all kinds I of weird I think that answers. can happen. Like, I think that can happen in any society. That's true. You know, any, any de- denomination even, you know, like, and it was similar, you know, with the Mennonites. There were a ton of Mennonites, but it was like, how many of them were true believers? I don't know. Well, you know, what's, what's worse? Somebody that knows that they don't know God or somebody that assumes that they know God, but doesn't really know one way or the other. What, what would you say is worse? Oh, man, I would say they assume because how are they ever going to find God? Because they think they already found him. You know, yeah. it's like the Pharisees. Yep, very similar to that. You it's kind of scary. They were hopeless. You know, I think that's the thing, too, like, you know, being raised in the church, right? Um, after a while, people can become complacent, you know? And it's bizarre to me. It's very foreign to me, this whole concept of, like, well, I've heard it all before. I just, I've always had wonder, always had wonder when it comes to to church, you know? And whenever the pastor's preaching... I always feel like it just hits my heart at a slightly different angle. Even if I've heard it before, it hits my heart in a slightly different angle. It's like the Holy Spirit works through it. And it's like I could hear the same words, but it just hits me slightly different, pierces my heart. And I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah, yeah. I and get so, that. yeah. So, I mean, there's um, actually a series on bad Christian, like the couple up, the last couple episodes, they've been talking about death of the sermon. And one of the guys on there, um, Toby, was saying, I don't listen to the message. And I'm like, huh. You know, and it's like, and Matt was saying, you know, like, you know, that's when I kind of zone out and have creative time, you know, and start coming up with ideas for, you know, whatever creative things he's doing. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, to me, it's just like the, the word of the Lord never returns void. So why aren't you paying attention? And I'm like, how do people not listen to sermons? Yeah, well, you know, that that's I'll be I'll be honest, there's been times when I was listening to a sermon and I either uh was exhausted and I started falling asleep or it was a sermon that I had actually heard before, like the actual sermon, not just that passage. Oh, I've never been in that position. That's never happened to you? <laughs> okay. That's happened no. to me a couple of times where like they, it was the exact same sermon, the same notes, the same everything. And I was just like, oh, I remember this one from about two years ago. Yeah, okay. Huh. Well, it, and so when that happens, you just kind of go, oh, well, just kind of roll with it, you know. And it's just kind of, you're not going to get up and walk out, you know. I'm not going to do that. Be like, <laughs> uh, excuse me, uh, can I get a refund? Uh, like, I heard this already. <laughs> can I have a refund on my offering? Yeah, yeah. Can I have that back? <laughs> I want my tithe back. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. That would that would be so bad. I would never do that. <laughs> That'd be so mean. Can you just imagine? Oh, can you imagine if they did that at worship? They'd be like, hey, we sang this like two weeks ago. Uh, can you play something else? That's the crazy thing too, hey? Like when we talk about like music and everything and, and being well rehearsed and all that, and people are like, that shouldn't matter. You know, people are like being well rehearsed, putting all that work into it. That shouldn't matter as long as it's from your heart. People well, don't say the same thing about the sermon, do they? Yeah, no, they have. I think they have some double standards there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we all we should be giving the Lord our best, whether we're the pastor giving the sermon or whether we're the musician. But 
at the same time, you know, being able to make sure that your heart is in it because that is what's important. It is. And we've had a lot of discussions in some of the worship uh, groups that, that we talk in on Facebook and wherever. We've had a lot of discussions about what it means to bring your best. You know, like people are like, oh, Which well, group? Uh, um, well, there's a couple. I'm not going to I'm not going to call them out because, you know, there's thousands of members and whatnot. But um <laughs> <laughs> like I'll I'll give you an I'll give you a for instance, okay? So we're talking about playing guitar in a worship service. And uh-huh. somebody says, "Well, I just bought a $3,000 Gretsch because I want to give God my best." And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, "Wait a minute. What does buying a $3,000 guitar have to do with you giving your best to God?" So and some people will defend that and some people will disagree with that. And and I thought, well, where do I really stand on that? You know, I mean, wh- wh- what does that mean to give your best when you when you preach or when you sing or whatever it is you do? What does that mean? You know, uh, uh, does it mean that we need to um, bring our best performance, bring our best uh, everything? I mean, I mean, what does that include? You know, what do you think? Well. I, you know, what's interesting about that is like when you do focus so much on giving your best and you work on the performance all the time, things get missed. Um, I mean, this is similar to our pursuit of God. It's like, are we pursuing the hand of God or are we pursuing the face of God? And I mean, the hand of God will be there. And there are going to be times where we're going to see healings or we're going to see deliverance, or we're going to see, you know, God's provision, you know, where, oh, all of a sudden I can put food on the table (laughs) or whatever, right? Right. But, you know, like the true pursuit is to know God. And like, I think the same thing can happen with our worship. And it's like, we need to offer up ourselves. Offer up our hands, absolutely, and do our best with that. But first and foremost, offer up our hearts. It's that heart-to-heart communication with God. Yeah. I think we need, when we we say we want to bring our best worship to the Lord, um, that that means our best effort internally. I don't necessarily mean our best performance or our best, um, my best singing voice or my best whatever, but if I I want to bring it, I want to bring my best attitude. I want to bring my best, um, you know, uh, my best preparation spiritually mentally to that that's what i think of as bringing your best and all the rest of the stuff is important i mean we don't want to you know sing off key or anything like that but but if you're not doing it with your best attitude with your best uh spiritual preparation then it doesn't matter if you gave a perfect performance it's not you know god is not impressed by a worldly performance because he created all of that you know Mm mm-hmm but he's impressed with our attitude with when we humble ourselves and our hearts are brought as an offering, you know, when we, when we, uh, recognize who God is and who we are and we go, okay, now I'm going to bring my best because if it weren't for God, I would have nothing to give. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when it kind of, kind of hits you. Now I'm not saying I'm perfect at that. I mean, I, you know, there are days that I, I phone it in, but I mean, I try and, I try not to do that too much. (laughs) 
And I mean, this is the key to all of uh, of Christianity in itself. It's like our heart is turned towards God, and then everything else falls into place. So, I mean, with worship, your heart turns towards God, and out of that, you're passionate about getting that guitar part ready, <laughs> you know? Right. And it's like, but you're doing it out of that heart. And I, you know, it was really interesting. Um, another example of, you know, like hearing truths over and over again, and then it finally hitting you a certain way. Um, we were talking about righteousness and like good works and, um, and faith. And it's like, I always, you know, struggled with understanding how those two come into play, right? Sure. Where it's like, you do good things, but you also love God. And it was like, you know, and grace and where that all plays into it. And it's like, when you're actually pursuing God, you're not putting your faith in anything else. Therefore, how can you even sin when you have your faith in God? Huh. Well, I'm sure I'd find a way. <laughs> but it's like, you can look at just about any, actually, you can look at every sin and you can see where it is a lack of trust in God. You know, and it's like, well, I'm going to take a shortcut here. It's sure. like it's like the golden calf, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I I don't um, I don't see God. He doesn't seem to be here. Moses is taking a long time. He's up there talking to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the meantime, um, here's the God that brought you out of Egypt, this golden calf. Yeah. And, uh, the funniest thing about this story, and I, I just heard this recently um, in a message where this um, when Moses comes back and says, Aaron, what are you doing? Do you remember what Aaron says? He said the people demanded it. Yeah, and he says, I took all their gold, I threw it in the fire, and this is what came out. Yeah, right. Like, what, Aaron? Yeah. That, yeah but it's that's... like, I guess part of it, too, and this kind of applies to the worship, too. It's like, are we making our worship into a golden calf? Are we making this finely crafted, you know, sound, but it's not even of God to begin with? Because all we did is polish it and make it look the way we wanted it to. You know, that's that's a really hard conversation to have with people because um, we get really passionate about it. We get really uptight when people say, you know, your hard work really is, you know, misguided or misdirected. We don't want to hear that, you know, because gosh darn it, no. we're working hard and we want to, you know, make this right and we want to succeed and blah, blah, blah. But that that's not you know god does not call us to succeed on our own terms yeah and i mean like I, I think even the whole church system in some ways we've fashioned it into our own image um you, know, you recall in in the old testament where it, it talks about um kings and how god didn't intend for them to have kings to begin with but the people wanted kings so bad Yep. Because all the other nations had kings. Yep. And I think that what that's rooted in is like, say, for instance, if I sin with whatever, with lust, I'm basically saying I don't believe God is going to fulfill my life in that area. So I'm going to take charge of it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I feel like to a certain level within our evangelical churches, um, when we've built, you know, these mega churches and these personality-driven churches, we've built up kings once again because we love how big corporations have CEOs, you know, like Steve Jobs. Yes. You know, 
and we want a Steve Jobs to head our church. And I'm yeah. like, this is so messed up. And <laughs> I, I think that was the failing with Mars Hill, you know, with, um, what's his name? Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like he just became such a big personality that it was like, oh, we love how brash he is. It's fun, you know, and it was kind of his thing. But in doing well, so, he steamrolled some people. Yeah, they, they put him up on a pedestal and he ran with it. Yeah. And what's interesting is, like, I've heard different points of view on this. Like, you know, some some people are more forgiving of Mark Driscoll than others. And what's interesting is on the very far end where people are not forgiving of Driscoll, they'll look at the situation and say, you don't have the right to tell the victims to forgive him. Like, that's not the first place we should be going is be concerned for Mark Driscoll and tell the victims they need to forgive him and, you know, pity him. And I'm like, that's so interesting, you know, uh, like when yeah. you have a high profile situation like this. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, how, how do you handle that? I mean, that's not something you can just. Know. Yeah, because then, well, you know, it's really it's everybody's fault because they pushed for it yeah. and he ran with it and pushed for the king. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, where does the blame fall? Everybody's guilty. Yeah, yeah. And he has a new church in Phoenix now, right, is what's going on? Yeah. And, I mean, some people are upset about it. And I, I don't know. You know, what's funny is when I went to Gateway Conference, he was there. It was actually, I think, his first public appearance since oh. he resigned wow. at his church. And, man, that guy looked beaten up. Yeah, I and bet. And it's like the media had railroaded him so bad, and I just, like... I, felt i felt like man this guy he's been through a lot whatever happened i mean i don't think anybody understands what actually happened yeah it's yeah i hope i hope that that kind of thing never happens to me i mean that or, or anybody that i know i mean i just i can't even imagine how much stress and um just weariness that would that would bring you to the just the the fatigue and the the depression and 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 it could be avoided you know i mean it's it, one of the things that specifically with uh, and i'll use mark driscoll as a as an example but when we start introducing pride into who we are as believers any kind of pride um yeah that's a dangerous stepping off point because we can be proud in who we are because of Christ, but um, that's where it ends because we haven't done anything that really deserves anything outside of what God has allowed us to do or God has gifted us to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and there's several uh, Christian authors, Christian musicians, and they're, they're very prideful and, while I agree with them, I'm very hesitant to take on that kind of uh, attitude because I just, I don't think I could handle it well, you know, if, if I, and, and I jo uh, jokingly play around about that and say, oh, well, you know, I'm a supervillain, I'm, you know, I can do this and that and I can nuke your house from orbit and whatever, <laughs> but, um, but the truth is, is that I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't really believe that, I don't. You know, it's a joke. I think it's funny because anybody that yeah. knows me knows that I just, that's just not, you know, I, I can't do that. And, and when I'm proud of something, you know, that, that's difficult for me to handle, you know? Yeah. And I mean, even take, 
um, like even even just taking compliments from people, you know, when people, you know, as a musician too, it's like, wow, that was really good how you did this. And I actually, um, we did a song and I had a problem with my monitor. I couldn't hear anything. And it oh. was the one song I was doing lead vocals on it. And I'm like, oh, Oops. great. Yeah. So I, I sang, I did my best. <laughs> we were definitely not playing to the click. I was playing bass. And, you know, afterwards there were people that are like, oh, that was good. And I'm like, oh, that's good to hear. Right. And, yeah. you know, with my musician's friends, I was like, man, I didn't have a, I didn't even have a monitor. Like I was trying to hear myself on the mains. Right. Yeah. And, but I, it kind of gave me a moment, you know, whenever someone came and said, oh, that was good. I had to be just like, okay, thank you. And just take that, you know? And, and when you're slightly, you know, critical of your own performance and, you know, someone comes up to you and says it's good, don't ever, ever say to them, no, you're wrong. It wasn't good. I screwed this up. Yeah, that, that, happens, to, that happens to me too, John, because I'll, I'll start off a, a set or whatever, and, and I've done this more than one time. I'll actually uh, start off a song in the wrong key. And <laughs> I've done that. I've yeah. done that many times, and the rest of our musicians yeah. can't transpose on the fly, so they just sit no. out, and I'll play the first verse or two in the wrong key, and they're just looking at me, yeah. and, I'm, and, and I'm thinking, oh, that was awful. I absolutely, you know, ran the bus over them right over, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and I feel bad about it, but, but I'll do something, and it's not up to my musical standards, and I'll think, that really stunk. I, I, that was just bad, yeah. and then my pastor will come and sit down with me, and he'll say, if you weren't here, we wouldn't have a music program at all. Yeah. You know? And he's like, I don't think you understand just how much that people appreciate just the fact that you're here. They could care less whether or not you're good or not, even though, you know, even though you are a good musician, but that's not what it's about. They're just glad you're here and willing to serve. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I needed to hear that, you know, because I really screwed yeah. that up, you know. And I mean there's a couple things to look at here too because like you know like even just when joe blow who knows nothing about music comes up to you and says that was a great job gotta be careful not to steal his joy yeah just agree with him and it's hard you know as a person that you know like is constantly trying to stay humble you know and you're fighting it and fighting it and trying to make sure that you stay humble because you can't stand the thought of being pompous like right. that's me anyways. I just, I can't stand the thought of ever coming off as pompous. Right. So I try to be as humble as possible. It's almost to a point of pride, you know, where I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, proud of the job I did. You know, I don't want to talk about myself. You Look know? how humble I am. Yeah. And, and, and so like to be able to just say thank you and you're like, wow, I actually accepted a compliment. And it's the weirdest feeling. <laughs> you know crazy. yeah i'll never get used to that even though i mean i've been playing music semi-professionally for pretty much my entire adult life but i still yeah it's still kind of you know yeah i'm always because i i'm a lot harder on myself than than people realize you know i'm, I'm very hard yeah. on myself and so i was just taught to have very high standards when you when you play music and so if i screw it up i, I beat myself up over it but anyways and you know, there's there's a lot of ways you could go with that, but I think I think overall, I think preaching, uh, worship leaders, etc., that they're pretty hard on themselves. You know. Well, this is the thing too, and I I want people to understand. You know, when you're in the congregation, 
And when your least worship leader does something where they've made a mistake, and I, I'm going to try to speak for all worship people here, okay. but um, they're not embarrassed because they look like an idiot. They're embarrassed because they feel like they've ruined your worship experience. Yeah. Well, sometimes I feel like an idiot too, but. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know what I mean though? Like a lot of it is that like you're serving the people. And so if yeah. you play the wrong chord, you feel like someone's going to snap out of that, you know, worship trance they're in or whatever, you know? Yeah. And they're and just going like, to jump up and go, you ruined it. Yeah. It's like, I was, I was totally having, you know, this experience with God and you ruined it. Yeah. How dare That's you? That's my biggest fear when I'm up there playing, you know, is like, oh, I hope I don't ruin anyone's worship experience. It's like, yeah. I want everything to go smoothly. So that the Holy Spirit can work because if it's not smooth, the Holy Spirit can't work. Oh, wait, what am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, you just stepped in it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to a satellite campus where the preacher preaches on the TV? Uh, no, I have not. I just, to me, that's just such a weird concept. I'm like, I love having a live preacher. I can't imagine not having a live preacher. I would think that if I went to see an Aerosmith show and basically the entire show was a big jumbotron on stage and there were no actual people there, I would be kind of upset. Yeah. And I mean, it's not that the, you know, the pastor, you know, it's just the idea of it being live. Like same thing with music too. Like when I first started at that church up, you know, in that small church I was talking about. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I came there and they were playing, a CD for worship because they had no one to play music. And I'm like, yep. do you want me to bring my acoustic next week? <laughs> Cause I was like, how are we not like, it's just not the same without that live presence. And so it's not, it's just, it's another thing I don't get about the mega churches and those personality driven churches. There's a lot of things I don't get about mega churches. Speaking of, um, speaking of, uh, not playing live. Did you see that, um, that video that I, that I sent you of uh, what is it Hatsune Miku the the digital singer or whatever that they have these concerts with the holograms and stuff there's no actual singer on stage no. it's, a, it's a hologram the whole show these people go to a concert they pay money to get tickets to go to a concert and they have live musicians but the actual show is a hologram there's no singer there like when you had musicians that are playing they're not actually there that's a thing now so you can go to a holo concert i guess it's still entertainment so i guess it counts uh -huh. it just seems odd to me to go see a concert that's a hologram i don't know maybe that's just me i don't know actually though you know what though i kind of like holograms yeah I could think of like a thousand it'd be cool to see the hologram but i'd feel ripped off i i mean unless it's like a dead artist <laughs> So yeah. right, Elvis live and it's like hologram. It's like cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be kind of creepy. I think. Who would, oh man, who would you, you know, you I really want concert. If you could see any concert of anybody, that's that's dead. Who would you go see? Oh my goodness. <laughs> hologram uh, concert. Someone that's dead. Who would you go see? Anybody? Oh man, I you know it's hard because I'm such a Christian music fan. So it's I, you know what? No. What about John Lennon? I think it'd be cool to see him live. That would be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would uh, want to see Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, yes. I actually, I've got to get into Hendrix. Oh, he's, he's some the great stuff. Hendrix. 
You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see James Brown live. Yeah. He was a master showman. He was insane. I would love to see one of his live shows. I'm trying to think. I haven't listened to a lot of James Brown. He did a lot of shouting, but he did sing too, right? Oh, he danced and sang. Like, and I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, it was just funny. Um, you ever listen to Kirk Franklin? Yes. Now, this is my experience. In the songs I've heard of his, it's like, hear the angels sing, and then somebody else will sing. And then he'll shout out another line, and then the choir will sing the next line. Yeah, he basically just, how, like, directs the choir. How, he doesn't actually do much singing. He's just like, come on, sing it, y'all, and they all sing. And I don't know. That's like a call and response thing. That's really popular in, in black Southern Baptist churches, um, which I have been to some. Actually, have you ever heard of Fred Luter? No. Fred Luter is, um, well, I think he still is. I'm not sure if he still is, but he was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I know at one point he was. I think he still might be. And he was the pastor of a huge uh, black Baptist church in downtown New Orleans called Franklin Avenue Baptist Church. When I was in college, uh, me and some of our friends went there to speak about missions because um, they were you know, doing mission trips and all this stuff. And our BSU director uh, brought us to Franklin Avenue Baptist Church with Fred Luter. And, and if you've never been in a black Baptist church, at least some of the ones that I've been in, they have really interesting customs that are just different than other, you know, other Baptist churches. Like um, when they do the when they do the offering, they don't pass the plate. The plates are up front. The whole congregation gets up and single file line runs around the sanctuary. And if the if the offering isn't enough, they do it twice. <laughs> wow, that's cool. They that's also, so fascinating. They also have two podiums at Franklin Avenue when I went there. And this was 20 years ago. But they had right. two podiums. And, and of course, in, in black Baptist churches, the ladies in the choir, when the preacher gets really fired up, they all start fainting and they carry him. It's hilarious to watch. They really do that. It's funny. And, uh, but the, the guest speakers and the announcements were done from a podium off to the side of the stage. The only person that could use the center podium was the preacher. No one else was huh. allowed to go there. Interesting. It was well, very you know, I, I think sometimes these things are done, though, out of reverence for the word, which is something that's really cool. Like just having that reverence for the word. Like even like our one of our pastors that we had two pastors ago, um, he always had a stand when he read the word. And I'm like, that's just cool. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I know? understand the reasoning why they did that. It's just I've never seen it done in any other church. I just thought it was interesting. You know, you know, what just struck me, though, like talking about Kirk Franklin, it's like it's almost like he's a coach. Is he a life coach? No, like uh, <laughs> a motivational speaker to the choir, basically. Motivational shouter. Yeah, motivational shouter. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot of these. Like, it's like your personal trainer. Yeah. <laughs> Five more Come minutes. On. You can do it. You can do it. Hit that note. You can do it. Oh, man. I had in my notes to talk about aliens, and I have no idea why. But What kind of aliens? You believe in aliens? Uh, what kind of aliens? Illegal aliens uh, like or outer space aliens? Outer space aliens. Oh, I don't want to talk about aliens. Okay, good. Me That's either. politics. We don't yeah, talk politics, do we? I don't do like we? politics, no. I'm, I'm just <laughs> shooting for world domination. When, when we are completely ruling the world, there will be no politics because we will be in charge. Oh, dude, one of my favorite villains, 
Monsters vs. Aliens. Have you seen that movie? Yes, love that movie. Best backstory ever. You know when he's like starts telling his backstory and he keeps going into the clone machine? Yeah. It's and so I was good. like, no, uh, and she was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's such, that's so, so good. classic. Yeah. <laughs> Think of a name. What's your name? What do people call you when you walk in the room? Susan. Susan. <laughs> that movie's like so great. Oh, uh, it's so good. You know, I love movies that like have very little critical acclaim or they hardly ever had any showing at the box office. Yeah. Cult but they just classics. have this cult following afterwards. Absolutely. I don't know if this one has a cult following, but I love it. It's one of well, my it's favorites. A, it's a kid's movie. It's probably not that much of a cult following, but there's some, there's <laughs> yeah, movies like Galaxy Quest. That's a classic. Everybody's like, you know, anybody who hasn't seen Galaxy Quest, like, just, you need to just, you need to go watch it. It's great. Alan Rickman, Sigourney Weaver, and, um, uh, what's his name? Um, he did, uh, Tim, uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. Yeah, yeah. So, Tim that, Allen. Hilarious. I haven't seen it. I'll have to you, see it now. You've never seen Galaxy Quest? No. Oh, okay. So no. the funniest part about that is I was watching the DVD of it and the aliens can, they're shapeshifters. So they, they make themselves look human. Okay. Uh -huh. And their language basically just sounds like guttural snarling and belching. It's just weird. Okay. So when you go to the DVD setup menu, they have languages, English, Spanish, and whatever the alien language is. And they had did the whole movie audio soundtrack in that language. <laughs> it's completely bizarre. Just absolutely hilarious. I don't know why they did that, but it's just so funny. Huh. But yeah, it's 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 great. So anyways, you need to go watch it. It's it's really yeah. great. Alan Rickman is fantastic. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman's a great actor. I love him. Um just really great and the, the bad guy in the movie so misunderstood such a great guy I don't know why they had to kill him in the end I just I don't get that why do all the bad guys get killed at the end of the movies I mean they just want love too yeah man as a Christian I feel for the bad guy I, do. I mean why can't he just you know turn his heart to Christ in the end and yeah like there's no redemption they redemption. just they all get killed they just you know vaporized and I mean some of these bad guys too you know, you can see their point. And it's like, you know, like Loki being mistreated by his family all this time, wrongfully confined. Yeah. Well, of course he's got and a grudge. And he, like, he even gives the humans a theology lesson. Right. And yet they still take him out. I mean, like, he could have taken that, you know, a little further. Yeah. Actually, he, yeah. yeah I think he was greatly misunderstood. I think he... uh he uh, he definitely was the underdog there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, we've been at this. Uh, we're pushing on an hour here. So, um, uh, what do you say we get close to wrapping it up? Oh, we never did talk about Mars Ill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go from Mars Hill to Mars Ill. That how, was like going to be a really sweet I never could figure out how to segue. segue. I never could segue wait, into wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. Let's come back to Mars Hill for a minute. Wait. Uh... Speaking of Mark Driscoll, let's pretend we never went away from that. Yeah, okay. Hey, it's crazy that his church, Mars Hill, is the same name as Rob Bell's church, Mars Hill. And both of them are very controversial. That's true. 
But I would say the hip hop group Mars Ill is not controversial. Why would you say they're not controversial? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't remember anything in their lyrics that was really controversial. Do you? Yeah, actually, they talked a lot about um, they they talked a lot about whack MCs and uh, dissing people and um, selling out, and they talked a lot about how uh, the hip hop industry is. Uh, keeping the man down you know and uh, that's kind of run-of-the-mill hip-hop stuff though well, that's not is, really rocking the hip -hop. boat i mean it's uh, if if you have a hip-hop song that's like really cheerful and uplifting and encouraging is it still hip-hop i mean does that count like i'm the best sidekick yeah like i mean <laughs> hey everybody's cool we love you well, you know what though there's like one what like will smith did that like you ever listen to will smith's like they his stuff actually is kind of like that and I'm not even sure it's hip-hop as much as it is just kind of like pop something or other. I don't know. But it's like, it's not yeah. mean enough to be hip-hop, I guess. I don't it know. He doesn't have the meanness. He doesn't diss anybody. That's what's cool about like someone like Lecrae is that, you know, like his, his music is has a gospel, obviously a lot of gospel to it. But it's it's real about like how terrible things are too. You know? Well, you want to be honest, and and a lot, I'll, I'll be I'll be truthful here. A lot of a lot of artists talk a lot about some really bad stuff in the sake of, well, I'm just telling the truth. I'm being honest. You yeah. know, there's some of that stuff. Really, you don't need to lift it up on a platform, and and you know, y there's better ways to address it. I think, because then you get to a point where you talk about it enough, you're almost putting it on its own pedestal. Yeah, exactly. Too much negativity. And then you're not really having a positive influence. You're not really, you know, I guess that's the funny thing is a lot of times people who say that they're cynical, I guess. Yeah. Can also say that they're optimistic. <laughs> and it's like they criticize things because they're looking at it and saying this could be so much better. Well, if you focus on the negativity part, yeah, that's a problem. If you look at it, it is. and say this is real, this is a problem how do we fix this? Where do we go from here? How do you, you know, that's different. Well, and that's, I guess that's where, you know, like whenever, and I didn't, I know we don't talk politics, but when I look at politics, that's what I want to see. I don't want some guy that's going to say, this is what's wrong with the system, you know, and yeah. this is how terrible this guy is. And I'm Take like, no, 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 no. Loser. Give me a positive view of the future and then I'll follow you. And I guess that's for any leader out there, right? It's like, Give me a positive view of what you're gonna do. Yeah, don't tell me what you're Pure and simple. what you're against. Tell me what you're for. Tell me what you're gonna do. Yeah. And that's yeah, what that's... we need to do as Christians is show people what we are for, not what we're against. Boy, that's some deep theology right there. Boom. There you go. I think we should wrap this one up. Brain grenade, bam. <laughs> yeah, I think we ought to wrap it up. So, um any last parting words we want to give to our dedicated yet small uh listening audience, John? I don't know if I can say this, so we may need to edit it out later, but I just heard that Acme Lasers now has a head mount for sharks, so you can have sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. Get out. I've been waiting for that to come out. Oh, my goodness. I want to have sharks with freaking lasers on them. <laughs> can it get some lasers? Okay, so we'll have to discuss the, the finer points of super villainy later on, but... Needless to say, Acme, if you're looking for laser-related products, Acme is probably the best place you're going to find them. 
Um, BT dubs, Acme means the best in Greek. Yeah, so for all your lasering needs, there you go. Acme. Call an Acme. They know how to laser. <laughs> they can it's laser. It's like a noun and a verb and an adjective. It's like the awesome it's like the Swiss army knife of words. Laser. It does everything. Is it an adjective? Adjective? Yeah, it could be a laser pointer. <gasps> yeah. Absolutely. It's the do it all word. Great word. I love it. Lasers. I love it. Lasers. <laughs> lasers. <laughs> I love lasers. <laughs> lasers. Now it's La- got an O. Lasor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, wrap it up. If you want to get in touch with us, the ADD Masterminds, hit us up on Twitter at ADD Masterminds. Um, and as of now, we are now on podcast garden and stitcher and itunes i believe is that correct we are indeed oh goodness gracious i don't think the world really knows what they're in for just yet but they will find out all too soon hey and i would love to hear any ideas you guys have and ladies if there are any ladies out there that listen to this brave ones. <laughs> i'd love to hear what your ideas are on topics that you'd hear like to hear us talk about Absolutely, yeah. We're welcome to. Uh, we're open to suggestions. Um, feel free to uh, to tweet at us and talk about something random. We're totally okay with that too. So, and if you send us an article, we may or may not read it. We might just use the headline and roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, headlines, great. Love headlines. Reading articles. Who's got time for that, right? What's up with that? <laughs> All right. Should we should we do the, that segment next time around? What what up with that? Yeah, let's do it next time. Okay. All right. So the best article that... What up with that? All the... Uh, you guys send us articles, the best one. We're going to do uh, what up with that with it. And we're going to see if we can make some possible sense out of the headline. And if necessary, we might even read the article. Unlike a plan. All right. Awesome sauce. So on that, I guess we're going to be out. So we'll catch you guys later. I am Jeff. I'm John. And we'll see you next time. Intro music. Please keep your hands inside the podcast at all times. <laughs>